Whether you grew up in the city, country, or suburbs, most of us have deep emotions imprinted in our memories as to the place where we're from. In BT's neighborhood, we'll investigate two questions, who am I and whose am I? These questions, we hope, will point us in a more distinct direction of knowing how to live into the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. How can we love those around us, especially those who challenge or oppose us, if we don't even know who we are or how to express love for God, others, and ourselves? So take a walk with us, learn where to buy your groceries and where to find a good conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan University in conjunction with the Office of Spiritual Life. We want to welcome you to the neighborhood. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, BT's Neighborhood, recorded right here on the campus of Roberts Wesleyan University in sunny, just kidding, Rochester, New York. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway, I'm so glad that you could join us, that you're taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in. Um, You know, we base these podcasts off of our chapel theme and our chapel theme for this semester, the 23 spring semester, is Becoming. And we've been talking about that as we learn to be with God, who we are naturally comes forth. Uh, We've got four movements of this particular theme. The first movement is knowing God. And the second movement, which we're going to be talking a bit about today, is knowing how God designed you. That's right, knowing how God designed you. And today I have a very special guest with me uh, this morning. Um, I know that you are going to enjoy this. Uh, He's a favorite person of mine around here. Um, I always glean wonderful things uh, from him. We have with us Dr. Joel Humans. He's the professor of management and leadership studies. Let's give him a a roaring crowd. (laughs) The best I could do. Dr. Joel, uh, welcome. And uh, can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what you've done over the years and just sure. so they can get a feel for you? Sure. Thanks, Pastor. So, yeah, so so basically, um, actually, I graduated of Roberts Wesleyan University. I graduated from here in uh, 1987, and um, the space we're in right now recording was, was here when I was <laughs> a student here, but it looked very different. My degree, you know, I studied, uh, I double majored. I had a degree in elementary education and psychology that I got from Roberts. And then I went on and uh, I thought I wanted to go in the Air Force as a pilot flying C-130s and uh, pursued that just briefly before then going on and getting a master's in human resources from RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology. And from there to, to I was recruited by Wegmans Food Markets. And uh, worked in HR for uh, for ten years in various capacities for for Wegmans. Uh, started uh, managed. Um, I was a generalist at, at first and working in the stores, and then managed recruitment and employee relations for the company for a bit. Became the first uh, manager of leadership development for Wegmans, which oh, wow. which was something I uh, got talked into. But uh, it was a fantastic experience, and um, and that led really to me coming to Roberts. Uh, the last 
The last year I was at Wegmans, we were voted the best company to work for by Fortune Magazine, and we've been on that list ever since it came out in 2001 for the first time. Interesting thing there, I got to work with the top 100 companies um, on leadership development mm. and uh, some discussions there. And one of the discussions that led to my coming to Roberts was this desire for some something what they called the next generation graduate business degree. They wanted an alternative to the MBA okay. that was more focused on leadership. So that within two weeks led to a conversation here at Roberts about doing something along those lines, and that's how the Master's in Strategic Leadership program here at Roberts got started. Wow, wow. Interesting, man. So much I'd like to know about, about your story. But did you always see yourself as being in leadership development? No. No, not at all. Most what they say the average person at one point, I saw some statistics, uh, changes their college major th uh, five, three to five times. Um, and I think, you know, People change their professions probably at least that many times um, trying to figure it out. You know, I've always been jealous of that person that, uh, that <laughs> decided at age five they wanted to go and be, a, you know, become a doctor, and then they become a doctor. You know, yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, that's a very small percentage of us. You know, yeah. that's I, I believe that's five percent or less of us that that decide at age five what we're going to be. I mean, the reality is, if you want to be a cowboy, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it may not pay, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, some of these things we set our sights on as kids may, you know, may be a little bit uh, romanticized, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and, you know, the reason I ask is because part of our discussions with our, with our theme uh, has been underneath it. Underneath it all is vocation. Yeah. This idea of we know that sometimes um, – in a non-Christian, maybe thought they may you may see vocation as just an employment or career. Yeah, but I think within the Christian context, we think of vocation as a calling. Um, that um, that somehow that you know, and I know when I say calling, there's a, a whole lot underneath that as well. Sometimes people think, oh, if you're called to maybe work in a local church as a pastor, priest. Uh, a nun, a monk, like those are things that we typically think of as calling. But really the, the, the Christian vision is that all of humanity has this calling and in a, a general sense to reflect the Imago Dei. Mm. But then in a, in a specific sense, we all have this kind of unique calling that we're called to. So it was interesting hearing you, you know, share a little bit about, you know, just your journey and how, you know, when I think of you, I'm like, and I think of leadership development, I'm like, yo, that's you to the core. You know, you are developing and helping people, uh, you know, discover their potential and, uh, and even harness that potential for the glory of God. Um, what does vocation mean to you when you think about vocation? Yeah, I think my definition has changed over the years. I mean, I think how do you get to the right vocation is, is something a lot of us struggle with. You know, and are you in that alone? And, and is, are you the primary owner of that? Or does does God have something to say about that? You yeah. know, whether it's in, a, in a, an area of what we traditionally think of as ministry or whether that's someplace else. And, and I believe he does, but I haven't always thought that. Mm -hmm. You know, I came out of college and I became, you know, I'm pastor's son, but I became an atheist. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess I became an atheist because I was really struggling with why, why bad things happen to good people and how mm. could a good God allow that. But then I started struggling with a second question that played into, ultimately plays into vocation. And that was, 
where did all this complexity in, in this material world come from? As I really pursued the answer to those questions, and the reason I'm, I'm kind of bringing this into this discussion is, I think, you know, if you're created by God, and then he had a purpose in putting you here, Acts 7, 1726 talks about he put us in a specific place in time, in a specific place on the earth. I took that very literally. Uh, I'm here on purpose. So what is that purpose, you know, if I'm created? I mean, if I'm not created, then I have no more meaning than a blade of grass or, a, a, you know, a leaf on a tree. And that puts the burden of vocation totally on me. But yeah. if God created me, you know, and I think, you know, uh, you've got somebody like a, a John Lennox who's, you know, Oxford University mathematician, bioethicist, Christian apologist, brilliant guy. And he says the two most important questions, and I think these are the questions you have to answer before you answer the question of vacation, is where do I come from and where am I going? Where am I going? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And those are the two most important questions, uh, you know, and because, you know, I see right now, not just in vocation, but I think I've never seen so many people struggling with identity. Mm. Who am I? You know, vocation's yeah. a part of that, but that's not all of it. And, and yet, if you have a clear sense of your identity, vocation flows from it. It's all about identity, and, and that's where that question, where do I come from, plays into this. Um, where do I come from? That forms your identity. So if, if, you came, if, if you are just here by random chance, well, then, hey, you're lucky to be here. Yeah. And um, you, any sense of purpose and identity is going to come from something you invent, right? Mm. But if you're created, then... Somebody else had designs on you before you even got here. So yeah. what are those designs, right? And I think it's worth the struggle with the questions, you know. Um, I, when people are, are questioning their faith and things, I don't interfere with that. I, uh, you know, my, my own father didn't do that with me. I told him I was going to be an atheist for a season, and he, um, he did not panic at all. He just, <laughs> you know, made On the outside, maybe. Yeah, maybe on the outside. <laughs> but, but he made a discussion out of it. You know, how we see our past determines our identity. You know, the second question, where am I going, um, has to do with vision. And um, so, you know, and, and that really is determined by uh, our worldview. And, and then the other thing I think that becomes really critical on vocation is, what am I good at? Mm -hmm. You know, and what am I not good at? And, and because those are the hints that God's given you as to what, what he designed you for. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think college is a great time to begin, well, high school, you know, early in life, you start figuring that out. What am I good at? And figuring out those gifts and talents is really, really key. Yeah, that's good. You know, you make me think of um, a favorite uh, speaker of mine. He's uh, went on to be with the Lord, but uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, when he, uh, in a lot of his writings, he talked about if you want to know what something is created for, then you have to go to the manufacturer and ask yes. uh, he or her about why this thing was created. And so in today's discussion, in talking about knowing how God designed you, you know, knowing how, knowing how you were designed, it's, it's taking already into, uh, it's presupposing that there's intentional design in each and every one sure. of us. And I'm curious, um, you know, as, as a leader investing in tons of people, helping people figure out what they're good at and uh, developing, sharpening their skills, if you will, um, 
what is it about the discovering how we are designed that helps us discover our vocation or even helps us thrive in our vocation? Well, what I've started doing is something that was done for me in my doctoral work. You know, I'd worked at Wegmans at this point for 10 years, and I'd, at the time of going through my doctoral work, um, they had us do a leadership development plan, mm. and uh, I'd never done one. They put us through probably uh, 20 to 30 self-assessments, a, a 360, a bunch of different sources of feedback, the feedback we give ourselves, the feedback that others give us through a 360. And then from there, we had to determine our own sense of our plan. Because, you know, I think with leadership development, it plays to just about any career, um, plays to just about any ministry mm -hmm. that you're going to go into. So, um, so where are you going to take it? And so we had to come up with that ourselves. And I think, you know, one of the things that has been most instrumental for me was this emphasis on strengths. Mm -hmm. um, Gallup has done a lot of research on strengths development and identifying those strengths. And the moment you have five strengths identified, you're in the 92nd percentile, according to the researchers at uh, a group called the Extraordinary Performance Group. That's significant. Mm -hmm. But the problem is most of us don't know what those strengths are or, or, or more importantly, we take them for granted. They come so easy to us that we just think, yeah, everybody's good at follow through. Everybody's good mm. at um, empathy. No, you know, yeah, my reaction yeah. to that is no. And I think part of leadership development work for me is about kind of calling that out and saying to somebody, yeah. you know, don't take that for granted. Okay, mm. you're missing that. You see that is ordinary and it's not, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, you know? yeah. And helping mm. people see in themselves what they don't see you know, I think we all need somebody in our lives that we trust more than we trust ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. I feel bad for people that don't have that because when it comes to leadership development, when it comes to vocation, you need the people that cause you to consider things that you may not have seen for yourself. You know, have you thought about this? Um, you don't owe them an immediate answer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, but if... if you know, the nature of deception is is that we're deceived, right? We can't see it ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and, and oftentimes we have blind spots like that. And so I talk a lot about, you know, I, I, some a group of people I, I call trusted truth tellers or triple T's. You know, um, it's not a term I invented. It's a term I picked up somewhere, I think, from Jim Cousins, um, uh, who wrote a great book called The Leadership Challenge. But he talks a lot about the value of them. And I see a lot of leaders without the trusted truth tellers around them. Mm. And a lot of people trying to develop careers and vocation without the trusted truth tellers. Wow. And if you don't have them, you know, get ready for some trails that are going to take you some, you know, yeah. unfulfilling places. If you do have them, they're going to call you into account. They're going to cause you to consider some things that you might not want to go and, and consider. Because I think the reality with vocation is it doesn't mean, you know, vocation isn't necessarily something that comes easy. You know, my yeah. own leadership development, I didn't choose it for myself. Hmm. The vice president of Wegmans who decided he needed a manager of leadership development came, called me in his office one day and said, Joel, I need a new position. And I was managing recruitment and employer relations at the time. And I said, uh, well, what's that? He says, I need a manager of leadership development. And he kind of spelled out what he was looking for. He says, the company doesn't have one, and we need it. I said, oh, you know, I was really intrigued by it. I said, mm. oh, that, 
and I said, well, I'll help you build a job profile for that, for that position. That'll be fun to put that together. And then I'll go find that person. And he says, oh, <laughs> I like the idea of the job profile. He says, but you don't have to go find me the person. I know who I want. Wow. Oh, really? Who's wow. that? He says, I want you. Wow. And honestly, he gave me two days to consider it. Mm. He challenged me on why he felt I should take the position. But I think if we don't have, if we don't know ourselves, yeah. right, and if, if we don't allow other people to know us and speak into our lives, those triple T's, then it's going to be a rough ride, that vocation. I think identity as a whole becomes a challenge. Wow, man. You know, this, this is so good right here. Um, you know, some of the thoughts I have as I'm listening to you is that, you know, identity, even vocation, these are things that cannot be developed in the vacuum. Right. We need to be in community. We need to be around other people because, as, as you said, we have blind spots. We, we think we know ourselves, you know, and I, and I laugh right. because, you know, my parents used to tell me as a teenager, I know you better than you know yourself. And, you know, I'd laugh and say, there's no way. You can't know what I'm yeah. thinking. But now as a parent, I do know, oh, there's some truth to that. There's things about myself that I don't know. And how great it is to have people around you who can see you and call out things in you that are good, that are positive, and says, hey, you know, I want to affirm this in you. And I, as I look back over my life and think, think about certain things, uh, the big moments in my life that have helped me figure out what I'm supposed to be doing with my life have been those people who have spoken to me, who've taken time to point out things about me. Yeah that I don't see, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, I think parents play a huge role there. I mean, you referred to your own, and I know you and I have talked about the role that, yeah, yeah. you know, your parents have played, and your dad has been a, uh, you know, a prime influencer. I think, you know, if, we, if we're trying to do it in a vacuum and it's just us, that's a huge burden to carry, mm. first and foremost. And uh, I don't know that we can get there without it. And I think there's a lot more that feeds into it, too. Like, for instance, you know, I was reading an article uh, last week about the fact that only 20% of leaders have any sense of purpose or mission in their life. Mm. And I thought to myself, if that's 20% of leaders, what's the general populace like? You know, so if you've got the vast majority of us walking around, what we're doing is we're participating in everybody else's purposes, but but we don't have our own. Mm. And that becomes a, a difficult place to thrive in, mm. you know? And I mean, you, you know, other people would love to have you pick up their purposes, the ones that yeah. do have them. And they're not always well-guided, you know? You and I know they're, they're not. So, you know, those misguided purposes, they'd love to bring you in on. But I think, um, you know, some of the unsung heroes really are, are mothers. Uh, I mean, my, my own mother, as I think on this, I mean, was uh, really instrumental in my own sense of my development. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, she stayed at home. Uh, you don't see as much of that today for financial reasons and other reasons. Uh, but I've always been grateful that she did stay at home with us for a season. She was a school teacher. She was an elementary school teacher. There was a time in our life where she really focused on uh, my sisters, my two sisters and myself. And that was instrumental for me. Um, she helped me figure out a lot of things, build some confidence. Um, but I think, you know, once you know yourself, then you can begin to match your skills to the opportunities that mm. exist. 
You yeah. can begin to try and, 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 you know, and if you've got a mission, then you can begin to figure that out. And if you don't have a mission, you start with, well, okay, what's your values? What are, T.D. Jakes once said, if you don't know your mission or your purpose, what are your values? Because your values will, will lead you to your purpose. And I think he was spot on with that. Oh, That's wow. been my own experience. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So when you say values, what do you mean by values? And how does one figure that out? Well, I think, you, you, you know, there's something that you can go through called a values audit where you, uh, you in the, there's several available out there online where you can go through and somewhere between 150 and 200 values words in the English language. And what you're trying to do is figure out what are my top eight? What are my mm. core eight? You know, um, and rank order them. It's hard. You know, I put our mm. students through it, our grad students through it, and they really struggle with it. Um, you know, I've got all these values and you want me to rank order them. And it's like, yeah, you know, but I think, I think, you know, going through that exercise clarifies for you you know, if you catch somebody in the elevator and ask them what their value system are or ask them if they're valuesful people, most people will say, well, yeah, you know, okay, so what are your values? They struggle, you know, well, God, country, family, uh, you know, they try to give you a list that <laughs> they either think you would like to hear or they, you know, but the reality is, is I think most people struggle with what are those top eight. You know, a value is a, is a guiding principle, if you will, for what you desire. You know, it starts with just having to go through some kind of an audit. You can go through an informal values audit. Yeah. You know, I had a, a gal I worked with at uh, Wegmans who went through a little later in life, uh, very career-oriented woman, uh, went through a pregnancy, had gestational diabetes, almost lost her own life and the child's life in delivery. They were able to revive and save both mother and child, but she came out of that, and she was a pretty high-ranking person at the company. And when she came out of that, she'd had a values audit. She'd, an informal one, she decided that um, instead of putting 70 hours of work in a, a week at Wegmans, she was going to put in um, mm. what she called a smart 45, her best possible 45 hours. And she was ready to cut ties with the company if they wouldn't do it. They, they did. I mean, the, the values at Wegmans are amazing. So you know, they, they were happy to accommodate that. And actually, I think she was able to help a lot of other people mm. with that clarity that she got because wow. she decided, you know what, my life's precious. I want to spend more time with this daughter now that I have her. And I want to spend more time with my husband. Yeah. And, mm. um, but she, you know, I think it was going through that crisis that brought it forward. Yeah. So all that plays into, you know, the more knowledge you have like that about yourself, I think the better a career choice you can make, the better vocational choice you can make. You should never be afraid to change vocations if you find that you're not able to live your purpose or your values in that vocation or that current expression. Yeah. Or if you just feel like the Lord is, is moving you someplace else. Think knowing your value system, knowing your, your strengths, Knowing what you're not good at, we yeah, don't talk yeah. much about that. But you know, it's gonna be, you're gonna be pretty frustrated in a vocation or job where you have to do something you, you, you just don't, don't do. yeah. you know don't do well or don't like. Uh, for me, that's you know I'm careful about anything that requires a lot of attention to detail. I would not make a good accountant. You know, <laughs> neither um, would I. <laughs> yeah. But there's people who are just amazing in that area. You know, and Gallup says you know if you're if you have an area of strength, you're three times as productive in that area as a person who's of average ability. 
Um, wow. That's a big yeah. difference. That is. And sometimes we're pushed like, no weaknesses, work on every weakness. But really, you know, you have, it's, it's more effective to lean into your strengths. So I think, you know, one of the other things I didn't mention there that kind of feeds into, you know, being here at Roberts is, is there an opportunity to speak to the fact that, you know, there's a proverb, proverb uh, Proverbs 25.2 says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I, I became intrigued with a couple of years ago was the fact that in the Gospels, Jesus asks a lot more questions than he answers. He asks 307 questions. Oh, wow. And um, he's asked 183 questions, to which he only answers three directly. Mm. You know, he talked in parables a lot. And he wanted us to wrestle with, he wanted his disciples and his followers to wrestle with questions. And we want the easy answers, but I think when we, I think, you know, vocation's one of those that's maybe not easy for some of us. Maybe it takes a while. Maybe it takes a couple missteps. But God doesn't leave us alone in those places. He, in my experience, you know, he uses those missteps to ultimately take us to the place he wants us. It's kind of like a GPS system. You know, God has, you know, a purpose for our lives, but he has, a, he has 500 plans to get us there in case <laughs> the first couple don't work out. Yeah, 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 that's good. You know, I, I like that because especially um, at this stage when you may be at a, college or university and you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with it, my life, sometimes there can be this uh, overwhelm, this sense of overwhelming pressure of having to figure it out. And I want to go right from the university into what I was made for. And it necessarily doesn't work out like that way, work out that way. And I think about your story, you were doing something else and, you know, your, your boss sees you doing something else and he, uh, he understands what you're really good at, good at it, so he doesn't fire you, but he creates a whole nother opportunity for you to yeah. fulfill your vocation. And it just, it just it reiterates to me, it drives home the point that life really is a journey and there's, it's, it's an adventure and there's some discovery in that. Like it's you know part of, part of the joy and part of the adventure is me not giving you the answer right, <laughs> on right. day one. This is a discovery. There's, it's the matter of, it's the, it's the, how did you say that, that Proverbs you called it? It's, it's yeah, it's, it's the asking of questions and sitting in the question yeah, yeah, yeah. for a while. It's, you know, the glory of kings to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's mm. and, um, you know, some of the best answers in my life have come after a season of searching. Yeah. Uh, even my faith piece. You know, I, I spent a year as an atheist before coming back to my faith, and now I owned it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to have to come back. Um, you've given us some serious uh, things to think about here, and I hope this has been, a, um, this has been helpful for to, to you all who are trying to discern matters of vocation and you're thinking about what am I good at, how do I discover that, um, listen, uh, tune in, keep tuning into this podcast. If you are enjoying these, please feel free to let us know by contacting us at, um, at spirituallifeatroberts.edu. We'd love to hear from you uh, if you're enjoying these. And uh, once again, thank you, Dr. Holmans, for joining us. And uh, I'll see you next episode.
Thanks again for listening to this episode of BT's Neighborhood, where we aim for simple but deep conversations about being a good neighbor here and now at Roberts Wesleyan and wherever our paths take us in the future.